0: On this episode of The Playbook, I have Florent Groberg, Deputy Vice President and Business Director at Boeing and the Medal of Honor recipient. And we talk about putting your pride to the side and why you need to put your ego and pride to the side in order to be an effective leader. Join me for all this and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host, David Meltzer. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I am so excited. I got a hero here for The Playbook, Flo Grobert. He is the Medal of Honor recipient from President Obama. I'm a huge fan of his. He has sacrificed and invested so much in our country, for our country. He now works for Boeing as a VP of sales and marketing, more traditional role, but also a motivational speaker. Flo, welcome to the
1: Playbook. Thank you for having me, David. It's an honor.
0: No problem. Is is that a spaceship you're in right now?
1: (laughs) I wish. I wish. I'm uh, I'm in the vehicle right now. My wife's actually at the doctor's, and so she wanted me to drive her, and I can't go in, so this is my new office
0: yeah I get it man and i'm uh blessed this is my very first day back in my own studio. I'm all by myself, but normally I'm in a closet uh but <laughs> <laughs> you're you're no stranger to you know exterior uh circumstances or change affecting the way that we perform and so I wanted to have you on to talk about some of the key components of mindset that you've utilized under some very anxious conditions uh far more challenging than what exists today. Uh, maybe getting into a little bit of your background, how those mindsets developed and where they are today.
1: You know, it's, everybody has a foundation that starts in their youth. And for me, it really started when I had the opportunity to come to the United States. I didn't speak English. And I remember being put into the American school system and I was in English as a second language for English. But the rest of the other classes, I mean, history, math, PE, I was with the other kids. So I remember that being a first challenge for me to truly, like, want how do I integrate myself with these folks? How do I make friends? But how the heck do I even, like, understand what's going on? And it forced me to really adapt at a, at a rapid rate. And for me to do so, I really had to put in a lot of hard work. So I spent a lot of time when I come home from school after practice, you know, working with my father, working with my mother, trying to figure out ways for me to better my English. Uh, I remember that they made me, this is always interesting, uh, Romeo and the Romeo and Juliet uh, uh, a book play. And I couldn't speak English really. So everybody was making fun of me, but in a, in, a, in a good way. But that really changed my life because I didn't enjoy that feeling. And so I knew that wow, this is a language, which is, you know, next level type of thing to really, you know, get better at. And I had to learn it a lot faster than I, you know, my parents or, or myself even anticipated. And that was part of the challenge. And I took that mindset, that competitive mindset, that understanding, and I pushed that into track and field when I was at the University of Maryland. And then I, then I took that into the army, specifically in a combat situation when I was a rookie in Afghanistan in 2009 with a team that had been, that had been fighting already for four months And here I came in, stepped in as a leader, and they were supposed to follow me. That was a big lesson uh, for me, but I took that mindset and I went in it, and it helped me to adapt, evolve, overcome, and, you know, do my job.
0: And you are a great leader and a hero, but when you came into that situation, what are some of the key things that you thought about in order to earn the respect uh, and to lead. And what, what are those things that people, cause I think it's really important today because people will be stepping into new roles, different roles, and also helping people with great challenges and to be a leader. I'd love to know some of the tips that you've learned.
1: Absolutely. The first and most important, you know, sort of uh, mindset that I had to adapt and truly, truly, truly believe in and live with is the fact that I went to my, my team and I went to my number two in charge and I told them, Listen, I'm taking my pride, I'm taking my ego and my rank, and I'm putting them to the side. I'm talking to you as a human being, as man to man. And I'm telling you that right now, the most important thing in the world for me is to make sure that I take care of all of you while I accomplishing the mission. And so it was the ability to be vulnerable, but not appear weak. It was the ability to ask for guidance and mentorship to someone that you're supposed to be leading without appearing weak. It's also a sign of respect. And that individual was Corey Staley, and he, was, he had been 16 years in the Army. This was his fourth deployment, and here I am, new lieutenant, never been deployed, and I'm supposed to be his boss. So I knew that I had so much to learn from him, but I also knew that I had to go out there and lead him and those men. And then the second part about that is I believe in transparency. And so when I told the rest of the team that later that night what the plan was with Corey Staley, they were shocked. They were shocked that the lieutenant would tell them straight up like, Hey, over the course of the next seven days, I'm going to be very quiet because I'm here to learn. I'm going to watch and listen to the way you react and communicate during firefights. I will, I will take the time to come and talk to every single one of you. So I get to know you personally. And then I'm also going to have, you know, devise a game plan with the commanding officer and with Corey and the rest of the squad leaders. But I'm also here to learn. And to them, that was just, that was new. Uh, it was awkward, I guess, for some of them, but in the end, it helped us. 200 plus firefights in that tour, and you know, I came out a different type of leader, a different type of individual. But I truly believe that the success behind that tour is because I was really able to take my my own ego and my own pride and put them to the side, and lead, you know, with a mindset of team first.
0: That's amazing. And the illumination and vulnerability are two things that I think people should focus. And I always say, if uh, you're vulnerable, you're invulnerable. Uh, and the transparency to, allows people to clear that connection of fear between at least each other, which then helps us with fear of certain circumstances. One of the other things that's happening right now, I always say people, uh, when you squeeze a lemon, lemon juice comes out because that's what's inside a lemon. Can you talk me through you know, the heroic efforts that you have when you were probably squeezed to your limit And we got to see the heroic juices that were flowing within you, no pun intended, (laughs) flow.
1: You know, and so honestly, all my mindset was very simple, right? It's always about being the best of the best at every single moment that I can be. And one thing specifically in Afghanistan that I I preached every single time we left the wire to my team was complacency kills. And that means that we need to be at 100% every single second every single minute every single hour that we're outside the wire because the enemy is patient the enemy will wait a long time weeks months to strike when they see you being complacent and then i used to tell them you know on the side listen even at a hundred percent we're going to get knocked down and so we need to be prepared and we can't allow that one percent chance for the enemy to really impact us and so these were the sacrifices mentally and physically that you had to make, but it really is all mental. And so for example, in August 8, 2012, my mindset was simple. I made a promise to the boss at the time was Colonel Mingers. Now he's a two star runs all 82nd out, out of four Bragg, And I made a promise to his wife, Amy, that no matter what, I will do everything in my power to bring him home. And even if that meant that my life was put on the line. And so when I had, I was presented with a situation with a suicide bomber and I couldn't see a weapon. So I had to improvise on the spot in regards of an escalation of force. And the only way I could think to do so was to charge at him, hit him and throw him away as far away as possible, as quickly as possible from everyone else. That to me was a no brainer. That was the commitment. That was the sacrifice. That was a responsibility. And if I died on that day and the boss lived, then that's a good day at work. And that was, the reality, and that is why I have so much respect for our men and women who put on the uniform and go out there and fight, right? Because in the end, you fight for country, you fight for honor, and all that good stuff, but really you fight for each other. And you put your life on the line day in, day out, and night in, night out for each other. But you have to have that responsibility, that integrity, and almost, you know, th- that type of mindset of this is always going to be bigger than me. And I am only play a small part. But if I don't play that part, disaster will come.
0: It's so important as we all do play our parts, even today with what's going on, I look, you know, outside and see, you know, the postman come up and take my mail. And I think to myself, that's no different of what danger they face walking the neighborhoods of touching mail and touching everything. And, you know, also that people can communicate and allow our systems to continue to effectuate and to grow. Uh, the, even the people, the candy stripers that are going in, people are dying with no one around them and, and they're there to hold a hand. Um, it's, it's it's incredible. And I think, you know, you as a leader, uh, someone who we can look to and say, look, it's a day at work. We do this for each other. We're connected. Yeah. I, I I'd love to understand how fear plays a role in your life because so many people, to me, uh, I practice ending fear, right? I feel uh, I'll do whatever I can to allow life to come through me. I give my life away to others, and so have you. But what role does fear play in your life today, um, and and how's that evolved as well?
1: Well, I one hundred percent, one hundred percent believe that fear keeps you alive. Uh, fear keeps you aware. Fear keeps you sharp, and fear makes you almost invincible in, in specific ways that others would not potentially react in the same way if they, you know, thought that I got this or I'm, you know, I'm in, you can't touch me by that. I mean, I always had to be on point, right? Whether it was working for the army in the government, in the agency, or when I was putting, you know, together a video for LinkedIn or now today dealing with my customers with Boeing, you know, I have fears. I have fears that a customer is going to say, we don't ever want to deal with you now because of this, right? So, but I, I don't allow fear to bring me down. I actually look forward to it because fear keeps me sharp in the sense that, wow, okay, I know I've had this training. I know I've had these experiences and this is how I'm supposed to react to it. But I have to really trust my support system. It challenges me in looking at, you know, the whatever the situation is and stepping outside the box, bringing in new people, you know, bringing in folks to challenge my own ideas or my strategy. Um, I I love red teams and people. So a red team to me is some people call it different names is an individual or a group of individuals that come in, look at your plan and they crush it. (laughs) They tell you, well, this, have you thought about this? This doesn't make sense. What, why would you even do this? Right. And it's uncomfortable. It sucks, but it allows you to see it in a different way. But fear really has allowed me to, throughout my life guide me in the right direction. It has reminded me of the consequences and also of the and, and also of the challenge. And so I use fear, I use adversity, I use obstacles, all these negative, you know words where people feel these are negatives and actually turn them into a positive because they allow me to build a better plan, to utilize my support network in a, in a, in a specific way. It also challenged me to think in a different with a different type of mindset and it keeps it fun. I, I hate to say it, but it keeps it fun. When if you know everything that's coming at you, you know exactly how to do it, it's boring. You know? Fear tells me that man, I'm into something that's really important and there are consequences behind it, and I can't wait for the challenge.
0: Yeah, I share a very similar philosophy about pain, uh, because pain to me is an indicator right? It's an indicator that I have something to learn. And so it. go ahead. Fear, obviously, pain can invoke fear, uh, but it also can inspire you. And for, for me, learning to convert uh, fear and pain the way that you have, you, you actually look for the light, the lessons, and the love in pain, in fear, and convert it over uh, to these positive things. So not, nothing is negative or positive. And I love your approach of taking pain and fear and saying, hey, here's the light, the love and the lessons in pain, in fear. And here's how we can utilize it in order to expand, grow and to help people. Um, Real quick, your perspective of selflessness, um, you know, is that one that comes from just childhood coming here and uh, was it born into you Were your parents ingrained in you or was it an evolution over your entire career?
1: I would say it's an evolution of my entire career in the way I, I, I see myself today and the expectations I have for myself, but it really, everything starts with an experience and maybe a relationship and it grows from there. And for me, it was my uncle. Uh, when I was young, I was 12 years old. He was killed in Algeria. He was, um, he was fighting a terrorist organization called a GIA and he was in the special forces. But before that, uh, he was 22 years old when he was when he died. Before that, he was an imam, and um, so half my family is Lutheran. The other one is Muslim. See, everybody can get together, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, and he, his entire life growing up, he wanted to preach the Quran and the beauty of it, right? And so when these individuals, just like ISIS, just like Al Qaeda, came in and tried to, to rewrite his book and pervert his uh, beliefs and his religion, he went and fought them, and he gave his life for you know for his beliefs he gave his life for us he gave his life for his country and that was at a young age that changed me also the fact that after he was shot during a ceasefire and then he was dismembered and put in a box and sent to my grandparents um that you know made a big that was that was big for me that was very difficult to to swallow and, and to understand at a young age but I also understood at a really early age that he could have done anything. And instead he wanted to go out there and, and he, you know, change his life to go fight for something something greater than himself and he gave his life for it. And that was the first massive lesson that I had in my life about being selfless and understanding that it's not about you. It will never be about you. It's about the people around you, it's about your family, it's about your environment.
0: Last question real quick. So you've transitioned, obviously, from what I call on the court to off the court. You know, Boeing's a big company. You're spending a a lot of time in boardrooms and now on Zoom calls, I assume. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's funny because, you know, like you playing sports in college, being around the greatest athletes of all time and being able to witness the challenges, not only that they face on the field, but that transition to off the field for you what's the biggest challenge that you see in life in life compared to the military
1: existence that you have to continue truly you know following my passion and i know that's bland maybe or it's just broad it's just but that's the truth and if if i am doing something that i am not passionate about that i don't believe is going to make an impact for people around me it's going to that I don't believe it's gonna follow the one promise that I made to the of the four Gold Star families, which is to earn the right to still be on this earth, to make them and my brothers who didn't come home on August eight, two thousand twelve, Commander Major Griffin, Major Gray, Major Kenny, and Ray Gay proud that I lived, Then, that is not the path that I will take. So for for me, it's just fo- follow my passion, continue doing some good for others around me. Make sure that I am a good husband, a good friend, a good person, a good citizen, and, a, and an outstanding businessman. And so I keep it very simple. And then the day that that passion is no longer felt, that is the day that I need to make a move. Or, and I need to go out there and you know, sit myself down and figure out you know, what's the next step or what's the next commitment or what's the next challenge.
0: That's awesome. Well, you are the epitome of several things that I teach. One, enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, uh, being kind to your future self, and most certainly being of service. And I wanted to have you on to thank you for being of service, both in the military and, of course, today as a civilian. You continue to represent what we built America on as an immigrant uh, and what will extend America on. Uh, with kindness and uh, compassion. So thank you so much for your service, my friend. It was so nice to meet you virtually. I can't wait to see you in person. Thank you so much. The great flow, Grobert. Thank you, Hero, here on Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer, with the playbook.